you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's now the offseason, which makes it draft season. And we have a brand new twist on the podcast we had all season long. I'm Bob Wischusen, longtime radio voice of the New York Jets. And during the season with Dan Orlovsky and Scott Pioli, we had tape heads. And it was tape heads, you know, the X's and O's edition during the season. Now we're moving to a new version of tape heads because it's tape heads draft season. We are heading towards the NFL draft I'm still here, but my new partner for the next month and a half as we lead you up to when the picks are made in the National Football League draft is Greg Cosell. No one has spent more time during his career, certainly at NFL Films, but overall watching the All-22 than Greg Cosell. What what is this, Greg, 40-plus years breaking down film for NFL Films? Well, I just finished my 42nd season at NFL Films, Bob. So uh, I guess I'm the longest tenured employee in the company. You know, I go back to, I guess, uh, when they just started having indoor plumbing, you know. I started here in 1979, uh, July 23rd to be exact. So, yeah, I just finished 42 years. Peter King once said to me when I saw him at training camp, uh, it was right before the pandemic. It was the 40th year of uh, of my career and the 100th season of the NFL. He said to me, do you realize you've been with the NFL for 40% of his existence? And that kind of took me aback for a minute there. That's a lot of years. Yeah, I mean, you're you're probably, you know, from the days of actually clicking a projector, right? Uh, Sitting in a close. room and watching film that way? Close. Right, come on. Like, you're, like Greg Cosell, remember the Titans at one point, like, right? That's Sitting right. there with the reel-to-reel. Uh, but look, th- th- this is going to be a lot of fun because you are someone that you spent, obviously, four-plus decades watching nothing but the all 22 coaches tape to break down not only NFL film, but also to prepare every year for the draft. And look, during the season with Scott Pioli and Dan Orlovsky, the draft, you know, obviously is a different bent on tape heads, but we are not going to every week be the, all right, who would you take first and come up with some mock draft? That's not what this podcast is about. This podcast just like the regular season version of Tape Heads, is for guys like you and me, right? The football nerd that wants to really crawl inside the X's and O's, behind the game, 
talk about the draft in depth, not just the prospects, but even philosophically, like what the draft is all about to these teams and maybe some misconceptions that football fans have about the draft. So to get you at least started down the road before we even get to specific prospects, let's talk about that a little bit. Like tell people what you're going to do every week and the information you're going to bring them on this podcast that they're just not going to get anywhere else. Well, I think you have to start with with one basic premise, and it might seem obvious, but when you watch college players, and teams obviously are doing this or should be doing this, you're watching players, Bob, to project and transition them to the NFL. It's not just a matter of listing traits or attributes or characteristics. You have to think about the NFL, and therefore you have to have an understanding of the NFL and what's going on thematically, uh, structurally, conceptually in the NFL. Tactically, you have to understand those things before you start watching college players because the whole goal for teams anyway is to make their team better. So they're looking for players who theoretically can replace someone they have on their present roster using that player in this in the way the coaches want that player used. Uh, and I think one misconception people may have is most players, there's very few players who are transcendent in terms of talent, where you look at them and say, there's really not a weakness in their game. Almost every player has some flaw or deficiency. Some can be coached out over time. Some can be worked with. But you can't look at players in in sort of a black and white way. Oh, he's going to be an all-pro. Oh, and he's no good. Because a lot of players play in the NFL, and there's a lot of players, particularly on defense, they might play 15 snaps a game, but they're really important players. So really, it's all about transitioning projecting transitioning players to the league and a lot of players play in the NFL. Yeah, look, I think the mock drafts, as we get closer and closer with the guys that have been doing it for a long time, get more and more accurate. Like, that's what I've always been told by NFL general managers because those guys are out there probing for information the same way that reporters are. So they are starting to nail down who they think is going to take who. But 99% of mock drafts make a mistake inside the top 10. Right. Like by the time we even get eight or 10 picks in, there's always already been a surprise. Someone's already thrown a curveball. There's already been a pick that we didn't see coming. And maybe that's part of the misconception that fans have about how teams view the draft as well. I think a lot of fans think that teams just get player one to three hundred. And they just rank them yeah. based on this is the guy I think is the best all the way down to this is the guy that I think is the worst. And we're just going to pick off of this board. And regardless, if I've got the 32nd pick in the draft and it com- my, I'm going to take the 32nd ranked player I have on my board. And right, that's not the way that these teams do this at all. No, and the way it really works is you go through an entire season because don't forget you have scouts. You know, during the season, the GM, personnel people, they might not be as focused in the building as the scouts are. So what happens is teams, they sure, do, do they rank players and do a draft board? They do. But when all's said and done, you're they're not choosing from 300 players. They're choosing from maybe 50 players that they feel good about, that they have on their board, and that they want to draft. So when it gets to round one, they They might have, let's say you're drafting 15th, they might have five guys there that they know they're going to get one of those five. Uh, When you get to round two, it's a similar situation based on what's happened before. But one other 
point I want to make, which I think is really, really important. And we're going to start talking quarterbacks at some point soon, obviously. But there's really two drafts, Bob. There's a quarterback draft, and then there's the rest of the draft. Because as you and I know, quarterbacks always get taken high, and quarterbacks are always, almost always taken before they're really ranked by teams. In other words, you could have a quarterback ranked 25th on your draft board, but if you're picking 6th or 7th and you feel you need a quarterback, you are very likely to take a quarterback there. So there's really two separate drafts. There's a quarterback draft and there's an every other position draft. And I think that makes this draft specifically, and even in this episode, we're going to touch on the quarterbacks a little bit later on, but I think that makes this draft in particular a fascinating draft because the quarterbacks are not projected to go at the top of the draft, right? Like normally in the average year, and certainly this has been the trend over the last 10 or 15 years, if not going back as long as we've watched football, but certainly in the last handful of years, the debate at this time of year has usually been all about the quarterbacks, right? Like 99% of the oxygen of the draft discussion is which quarterbacks are going to get taken at the top of the draft. And it's a foregone conclusion that pick one, three, four, and seven are all going to be quarterbacks. Not the case this year, right? We may not see a quarterback taken in the top 10. That is possible. And I think that does make that discussion really interesting as we get closer and closer to the draft because the quarterbacks are a big question mark this year. Yeah, and, and we'll have to wait and see on that because, as you know, you know you've been doing this a long time, as have I, that as you start getting closer to the draft, yeah, that's true. quarterbacks start to move up. No doubt. Because, you know, if teams feel they need a quarterback, and, and again, you, you just don't know that right now. I mean, you can look at the order for the draft right now and say, hey, let's see, you know, who's going where or what teams are, are in a, a particular situation. But ultimately – you have to wait and see because you could start looking. I mean, you can look at the Detroit Lions just to mention a team that has the number two pick. You have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, they could feel comfortable about Jared Goff. They may not feel comfortable about Jared Goff at all. We don't know that. So quarterbacks are going to move up, and it would not surprise me. Obviously, you're not going to get four or five in the top ten like we've seen in years past, Bob, but it would not surprise me at all if you see more quarterbacks taken in the first round than are currently projected as we speak here as we start to get into early March. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, right, if you take a look at the top 10, Jacksonville doesn't need a quarterback, but then Detroit, then Houston. The Jets obviously just took Zach Wilson. Sounds like the Giants are still going to stick with Daniel Jones, but Carolina, they've got one year to make a decision on Sam Darnold. You've got Atlanta with an aging Matt Ryan. Denver, if they don't get their hands on Aaron Rodgers, has been looking for a quarterback forever. So there's no question we could get some teams that reach for a quarterback that they desperately want to believe in that a guy like you might look at and say, well, look, you can reach for that guy if you want, but I would project him much more as a second-round project than a top-of-the-first-round talent, and that'll be something that we talk more and more about as we move towards and through draft season uh, here on Tapehead's draft season because uh, it's it's just going to be a lot of fun to break this down. We're, we're, I want to take a quick break and come back and talk about something I also think, before we get to the prospects themselves, that I don't know if a lot of fans and even those that put together mock drafts take into account as much as they should or need to, and that is the difference between NFL football and college football and how radically that can impact how a player should be viewed 
at the pro level. That is something we're going to dive into with Greg Cosell. As soon as we come back next, it is Tapeheads draft season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bob Shoes and Greg Cosell back here on Tapehead's draft season as we are going to bring you, hopefully, the football nerd that we all have living inside of us heading towards the NFL draft in April. As much of not just the X's and O's and not just even, you know, breaking down who we think is going to go where, but... You know, giving you the the insight that Greg will bring to the All-22 tape of these prospects, but also how teams think about the draft, philosophies that they use during the draft, the way that teams approach their draft board, I think in, in terms that you may not realize, because those war rooms, uh, they're interesting places to be, obviously, in late April. And, you know, Greg, something we talked about just before the break, I want to get right into, the differences between college football and pro football and how hard it can sometimes be to project what a college football player is going to be in the pros based on some not so subtle differences, but some differences that maybe fans don't think about all the time that it really is a different sport. Yeah. And we could probably talk about this for, for three hours, Bob, right. but let's start with one very simple thing. And I'm not going to take credit for this. I was actually told this maybe 12, 13 years ago by Bill Belichick, of all people, who's a lot smarter than I am. But I was talking to him when I did a book with Ron Jaworski, and we got on the subject of what's the difference between the NFL game and the college game, because he would tell me that he would visit a lot of his college coaching friends in the off season, and they'd have great conversations. And then he'd come back and he'd say, to himself, but the games are so different. 
And there's one reason he said they're so incredibly different, and that's the positioning of the hash marks on the field. And I know, Bob, you do a ton of college football, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. The hash marks in college football are very wide. In the NFL, they're they're closer together by, I think, five and a half or six yards, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it changes the entire symmetry of the game. In college football, the wide side of the field feels like the Grand Canyon. And it's very, very difficult to cover people in the passing game to the wide side of the field in college football. And it's one reason that completion percentages in college can be incredibly high and have really nothing to do whether a quarterback is accurate or not. Because there's so many easy throws to the wide side of the field because it's just really hard to cover. There's just so much ground. So the the college game, therefore, is predominantly played on the perimeter. The NFL game, because the hash marks are closer, is predominantly played in the middle of the field. And I remember having a great conversation with Kevin O'Connell, who's now the head coach of the Vikings and was the offensive coordinator for the Rams, and prior to that with Washington. Kevin said when he was drafted, because he came out of San Diego State and was drafted in the third round by the Patriots, He told me that when he got to the NFL and he had to make all these throws in the middle of the field, it looked to him like there were 15 defenders on the field because there's a lot of people in the middle of the field and you're not used to that playing quarterback in college football. Yeah, there was a not-so-recent era. It seems to have changed a bit maybe over the last four or five years. But think about some of the quarterbacks that the Big 12 produced. Yes. Right? Over like a handful to seven years. The Geno Smiths, the Brandon Whedons, guys that were taken first and second round and teams just flat out missed on that had 70% completion percentages at times in college and would just throw a bubble screen. Right? Like, the the entire Baylor offense at times was based on two-by-two wide receivers, and there are times you turn on the all-22, two of those wide receivers just go to sleep at the line of scrimmage. They They didn't didn't even move. move. They didn't didn't even run a pattern. So, like, it would be literally just, let's just throw a ball out to the wide side of the field and let an athlete go make a play in space. And if that athlete goes and makes a play in space, all of a sudden the quarterback not only has a completion, he might have 30 or 40 yards to his statistical ledger. He might even have a touchdown. And how hard that is to then project. So now take me through, you're an NFL prognosticator. And you see this guy putting up great numbers. And he's in the Heisman Trophy conversation. And he is winning games and maybe playing in the college football playoff or a BCS Bowl back in the ancient days of the BCS. And now your fan base wants a quarterback. How hard it is to project the ability of the quarterback that lives in that world to now go to the NFL and make NFL throws and run an NFL offense. Yeah, and that is really difficult because, number one, when you watch college football, when I study tape of college quarterbacks, you have to try to get a really good feel for what the route concepts are. Are these route concepts you're going to see in the NFL? One other point I was going to make but when I mentioned the hash marks is – Much of college football passing games are based on what we call pure progression reads. In other words, they don't really ask the quarterback to have an understanding of defense, maybe a very small understanding of defense. All they do is give him route concept and a primary read, and and he drops back. If the primary read is open, you throw it. If it's not open, it doesn't matter why he's not open. Then you go to the next read. So 
college quarterbacks don't really have a very good understanding of defense and the concepts of defense for the most part. Obviously, there's a few schools that are different in Alabama, for instance, and there's a few others. But for the most part, Bob, in college football, quarterbacks don't really have an understanding of defense because they're not required to. So basically, when they get to the NFL and they're learning something brand new. You must have an understanding of defense in the NFL to play quarterback in the league because to become a great quarterback, and certainly if you're a first-round draft choice, your team's expecting you to become pretty close to a great quarterback, then you have to be able to win downs before the ball's even snapped. And in order to do that, you have to have a really detailed and nuanced understanding of defense. And I guess you also have to, as a talent evaluator, not just project what you think that player is going to be physically, but also, as you said, mentally. Yeah. Right. So how hard is it to look at a guy that lives in that bubble screen world or, you know, two by two spread the field? I mean, look, there also is a lot of college DNA now in NFL offenses. I mean, that's something that I think a talent evaluator probably has to take into account as well. Right. The NFL right now is doing much more than it ever did in its history of what we see in college. So that probably helps the evaluation process. But again, taking a guy from a a processing standpoint, we're on film. You don't see him doing what you know he's going to have to do in the NFL, right? And even during the combine, heading up throughout the draft process, when you interview him, when you put him on the whiteboard, when you get him in a film room, when you get a chance to spend a day with him at your complex, how much of it is... I need to now project your ability to do something that I never really saw you do in college, right? Like there's yeah. there's no tape of you doing this in college, right. but now I got to figure out whether or not you can do it for me and how hard that can be. Or you might see him do it just a few times and then you have to decide, can he be taught to really do that as just part of his game? Because you made a great point. There's many concepts that are now in the NFL that we see in college all the time. Clearly, there's more RPOs, run pass options in the NFL than there ever were. Clearly, there's more what we call bang play action, where the quarterback just takes the snap, does a quick fake to a a running back. It's not truly an RPO, but he then throws a very quick pass. It's a quick game throw. It's a one read throw. So there's much more of that in the NFL. And a lot of that has come from college football. But as you and I know, in the NFL, you're going to get to second and long. You're going to get to third and long. And that's where the defense has the tactical advantage and very often the speed advantage, which the with the players they bring in in their 5DB or 6DB or at times 7DB packages. So now your quarterback has to drop back, read the defense, understand where pressure's coming from, understand all these alerts that the defense is showing, and then be able to make throws from the pocket. And that's something, as you said, Bob, that a lot of college quarterbacks, you just don't see them do that kind of thing very often at all. So that becomes a serious projection. And how many defenses are they playing against in college that even have a deep NFL concept to what they're looking at? Not too many. No, and you're limited again because of the hash marks. Because if you want to blitz and you want to bring all kinds of pressure, don't forget there's a lot of room to that wide side of the field that you're leaving voids in your coverage. So it's one thing to say, hey, you know, we want to bring pressure. We know that that Clemson brought a lot of pressure with their D coordinator, who's now, I guess, the head coach at Oklahoma. But uh, but that's hard to do in college, much harder than the NFL, because there's too much space. 
Yep, uh, Brent Venables. Lo- you, nobody likes to blitz more than he no, does. But, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and you know something else I've talked a lot about with the quarterbacks that I've done games with at ESPN. Uh, in the NFL, so much of it is who's coming and from where and from in, in what numbers, right? Trying to get a pre-snap picture as opposed to a post-snap picture. A lot of that, the trickle-down effect, has to do with the athleticism of defensive backs, <laughs> right? Like, like you have a safety in the NFL that can blitz, that can bluff blitz, that can start in the box and all of a sudden can end up post-snap 30 yards down the field playing center field. There's not a lot of guys in college that have the ability to disguise that way because they just don't have the athleticism to get back to the piece of real estate ultimately that they have to cover, right? So, like, the pictures that you see pre-snap and post-snap must be so much simpler in college football to diagnose than they are in the NFL and how hard it is to project whether or not a quarterback can handle all that once he gets to the pros. Yeah, and I think we'll talk more about that because you make a great point about the disguise and late movement element, which you don't see as much in college football, obviously, as you see in the NFL. Yep, and one thing we're going to get to straight ahead when we come back, what goes into drafting a quarterback, how his rookie deal can pave the way for a run at the Super Bowl, and another position that I think plays into drafting a quarterback that I talked to a longtime NFL executive about that college football greatly impacts the ability or inability for pro guys to evaluate. That's something we're going to get into with Greg Cosell as soon as we get back. This is Tapehead's Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bob Shoes, Greg Cosell. We are back. Tapeheads draft season as we take you down 
through the process of the NFL draft all the way to April. We're going to be doing this podcast a couple of times a week. And if you are someone who really likes to dive deep, not only on who's going where and what teams are thinking about in the mock drafts, we'll obviously touch on the players, the prospects, and what we think teams are going to do. But on this podcast, we're going to take and continue to take a a much deeper dive into the X's and O's, breaking down the All-22 and Greg's ability to analyze these prospects and put them into an NFL perspective. And of course, Greg, we're just talking about this. It all centers every draft season, at least a lot of the conversation, around the quarterbacks. In our next episode, we're going to start to get into those guys specifically, but more from a view of 30,000 feet, philosophically, how teams view the quarterback and making sure that you are a team that when you get one, you think you've got at least a chance to win before that rookie contract expires. Because yeah. during that rookie contract, if you win, that guy's going to become a $35, $40, 45000000 million <laughs> player, and that really then hamstrings your future or can. So how do teams look at drafting a quarterback, the type of team they've got and the type of team they feel like might be a quarterback away if you're later in the first round, maybe you feel like, you know, there's there's a guy that's worth a reach. Um, all of those different, you know, mental games they play when they figure out what quarterback they might want to take in conjunction with their salary cap and how their team is built. Yeah, and that's a great point because in, in so many ways, we've reached the point in the NFL where teams feel that a quarterback has to be more now than an executor and a ball distributor. You know, in the old days, we would think about a quarterback as just running the offense. In other words, throw the ball to the right receiver at the right time with the right kind of throw. Do that from the pocket. The offense will take care of everything. Now, theoretically, Bob, that's the way it's still coached. Obviously, no coach rolls the ball out and says, let's run around today and see what happens. But I think there's a thought that for a quarterback to potentially be special, and that's not a word I I would use loosely, but for a quarterback to potentially be special, he's going to have to have some ability to make plays on his own outside the structure of an offense. Now, this is a great conversation because there's a balance there that is really difficult to, to quantify. I mean, you could look at the Super Bowl. No one would say Matthew Stafford is necessarily a quarterback that's going to improvise, but yet he has just enough enough movement that if he has to leave the pocket, he can make throws on the run. He's certainly not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or or that kind of quarterback. So you walk a very fine line now when you look to draft a quarterback high. Are you drafting a quarterback who's solely going to be able to play from the pocket? as And he would have to be great to be able to do that. Or do you absolutely need a quarterback that can move. But that raises another question, and and then I'll let you jump in because I think this is a really important question. Very often quarterbacks move because they can, and what happens then is they end up leaving the pocket early and leaving open throws on the field. And I think that's something that balance there is very, very difficult to quantify, and I think really good evaluators have to work through that. Yeah, something else I think is fascinating Again, the evolution of that position. Patrick Mahomes is not, he's a scrambler, not so much a runner. Russell Wilson, I think, has a little bit of that in his game as well. But now we're seeing the Lamar Jacksons, the Josh Allens, guys where quarterback run in the NFL is absolutely a part, not only of what they do, 
but it's now baked into their offensive scheme. And I never thought I would see that in right. the NFL. I mean, Michael Vick obviously was an electrifying runner, but you were just waiting for the next time the poor guy was going to get hurt because he was out in the open field and at the NFL level with the athletes being what they are on defense, it's almost impossible to imagine a player isn't going to get hit in a big way and that there's an expiration date on the way that guy plays if you're going to have quarterback run be a big part of what they do. How much do you think that has changed, though, from an NFL perspective with quarterbacks of I'm going to draft a guy that not only can run, but I want him to run because it's just a part of what he does and it's a part of what we can do, right? I mean, like, the, obviously the Bills and the the, the uh, Ravens are two teams that ev- they absolutely have quarterback run built into what they do in a big way. Yeah, and I think that's the fascinating question. There's probably not a definitive answer to that. I've spoken to a lot of coaches in the last year, some old school coaches who've been in the league in a long time, uh, for a long time, and they'll say to me that now I think about that a little more than I used to, but it still does not supersede the ability to make throws from the pocket. Right. So it's it's a very difficult balance. That's why I said it's very hard to quantify. Um, you look at Lamar Jackson, keep one thing in mind. When he came into this league and he's improved meaningfully as a passer over these this last year or two, but when he came into this league, they actually built an offense around him as a runner. The offense was built the foundation was him as a running player and what that could do to a defense, the stress, the challenges it presented to a defense. They did not feel early in his career that he was a good enough thrower where they could run a traditional, more conventional NFL offense, and the foundation was Lamar as a runner. Now, he's gotten better as a thrower, clearly, and it'll be interesting to see what they do this coming season in 2022. Josh Allen is a very fascinating case study because, yes, they run him at the point you made, Bob, in critical situations, but he's really a pocket player first, and he can make great throws, as we saw as this season progressed, even going back to last season in 2020 when he clearly had improved. So there's the running element that, yes, is part of their offense in given situations, but when all said and done, someone like Josh Allen, his game starts from the pocket. Yep, and, you know, another position, which I know we're going to touch on a lot as we move through draft season, because the two are probably as tightly wound together as any two positions in sports, the quarterback and the offensive line in front of him. And talking about as the differences between pro football and college football, how many really good offensive linemen in this draft are projected to be not just in the top 10, maybe the top five, maybe the first pick, right? Very possible the first pick in the draft is a tackle. And there are a couple of them that that we could go back and forth about that might be that first pick. But I remember talking to Bill Polian about this five or six years ago. And I think the same problem still exists for NFL talent evaluators now. The, The hash marks, the spread offenses, the four receivers just running go routes, you know, all of that that's baked into the college game. And he said that there is a crisis of offensive linemen (laughs) in college football coming to the NFL. Do you think that still exists? And how hard is it to weigh the need of an offensive lineman against the need of a quarterback if you've got a guy that, you know, you're like the Falcons are a perfect example. You have an aging quarterback that could be replaced by a young guy that you might want to reach for, but there might be a big offensive lineman sitting there that you feel like you have to take because that can be almost as important in the short term as the long term. 
I would agree with Bill Pauline, and I've actually discussed this with him, because keep one thing in mind. Defenses now, they're so much quicker. One could argue that the biggest mismatch on the field is still defensive line, linebackers, now safeties blitz versus big offensive linemen. Yes, offensive linemen have gotten more athletic, but that's still a mismatch. And if you can't protect, you do not have a pass game. And let's let's remember one thing. Football is a numbers game, Bob. So you can almost go back to Sid Gilman in the 60s with the Chargers when he took Keith Lincoln, for people who remember these players, Keith Lincoln out of the backfield and put him in the slot. This was before there was such a thing as slot-wide receivers. So now you know what that means, and no one thinks of it this way. That means you have one less player in pass protection. Yeah. So if teams want to line up with three wide receivers or go empty, which a lot more teams are doing, by the way, then you have fewer people to protect. So the more, that puts a bigger burden on your offensive line. You can look at the Bengals this year. The Bengals lined up in empty sets, meaning Burrow was the only one in the backfield, the second most of any team in the league other than the Rams. Interesting, both those teams were in the Super Bowl. But that means your five offensive linemen have to be able to protect. So it really puts a premium on pass protection for your five offensive linemen. So you're 100% right. The symmetry and the, the synchronicity between your pass game and your offensive line is more important than ever with 11 personnel, three wide receivers, empty sets. You must protect your quarterback or you do not have a pass game. Well, everything we've done in this first episode of Tapehead's draft season is hopefully just whetting your appetite for everything we are going to be able to dive into and talk about as we go from now all the way up to the draft. That is it for episode one. We told you we're going to be doing this every week leading up to the draft, dropping on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and now it is time to do it. You will join us on Thursday when we start to dive into the prospects, and we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, give you the top guys on the draft board, and what Greg sees from each of them. Join us Thursday for our next edition of Tapeheads Draft Season. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.